Habakkuk chapter number 1, page 955 in your Schofield Bible. Tonight, if somebody else want to just share how God is answering prayers, let me again make a couple note mentions again. A lot of stuff going on this past, this coming weekend, of course. This coming Sunday is Missionary Sunday. And I just let me remind you, remember what we talked about. Didn't ask you to give up your coffee, your caffeine fix, or nothing else. Did ask you to pray and ask God what He would have you to do. And then I asked you to believe God to do that just for you and supply that. And, uh, and so we'll be doing that on Sunday for our missionaries. And then we've got a missionary coming Sunday night, the Smithy family, and uh, met this man. I, uh, Quite impressed. I, I think uh, uh, he's um, he's going to do well, and we're looking forward to having him come. Would you be much in prayer uh, about uh, this missionary? All right. And then, Lord's willing, Monday we'll begin revival, and that'll run through Wednesday night. So uh, you make plans, make all those plans, get ready, and uh, more than that, let's get our hearts ready. Uh, for what God wants to do for us, okay? Somebody got to want to just stand up and just thank the Lord for uh, how he's answered prayers. Amen. Somebody else. Right quickly. Yes. Amen. Amen, yes. Praise the Lord. Somebody else want to thank the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? All right. Going once, twice, preaching time. Have you ever come to a place and you had to honestly proclaim God, you simply don't make sense to me. Have you ever been there? When God just didn't really make sense. Tonight, with the help of God, we're on these lessons on justice. I want to preach on conflict in justice. Or when God doesn't make sense. Habakkuk chapter 1, let's stand to your feet if you find your place. Verse 1. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling place that are not theirs. Drop down to verse number 12, and uh, we'll start reading there. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. And, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth a man that is more righteous than he? 
and make us men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things. They have no rule over them. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag. Behold, by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? Conflicting justice when God doesn't make sense. Again, I need to make mention it is so good to have Miss Linda's daughter with us. Amen. And I met her and it's a privilege to have her. And I appreciate her being here. All right, let's go to the throne of grace and ask God to help us. And uh, Brother George, how about you praying? Amen. You'll be seated. We began this series on this ideal of justice, and we, we are not going to re-preach it, but we looked at justice at the fact that it is uh, an area of judgment that God has given you. All of us have a different area of judgment, and nowhere does God say we are to judge in someone else's area of judgment. And let me just throw this out. Save us a whole lot of heartache. I mean a world, world of heartache. And if we would just learn to stay within our area of judgment, not try to figure out somebody else's, not deal with other people's area of judgment, and uh, just deal with ours. I get, you know what the open, well, it would help us just to mind our own business. That's what the open people say. Just mind your own business, amen. And uh, we find how that, Last week we looked at responding to justice and how that we are to respond. But tonight it's in my heart to look at this thing from a little different perspective. Because one of the greatest Bible doctrines is the sovereignty of God. Now, God's sovereignty is just simply this. It is that God is in complete control of the affairs of men. Again, Sovereignty is the fact that God is in complete control of the affairs of men. I, I, that's enough to shout on right there. If, if I didn't believe tonight that God was in total, complete control of the affairs of men, then, then I'm telling you, I, I, would, I would struggle tremendously. But and I don't struggle because I know that he is. And so he should never surprise or shock us when things take place in our lives. Habakkuk, in this text, his world is falling apart around him. It really is. I mean, if you, you just take time to read it, I, I hope you will. The rich are oppressing the poor. The nobles are have paralyzed the laws of God and the needy are mistreated and, and makes you wonder who their president is. I'm going to move on. Amen. 
I did. I love this. I, I just. I got to tell you this. Some. Some. If you're a Democrat, you ain't gonna like this. But uh, uh, you know, it said that Obama was voted in on change, and since then, change is on the only thing we've had in our pockets. Amen. I like that. Anyway, we find Habakkuk surveys the scene. And in the midst of all this craziness that's going on, we find that he begins to wrestle because he goes to God and God said, I'm going to do some things. And he's scratching his head and he said, God, this don't make no sense to me at all. So let me show you what God, I believe, is wanting us to see as well as Habakkuk. Number one, we see the plan of God. You've got to go all the way back to to Jeremiah to find that God had a plan and a purpose for his people. And he would bring, he would fill the mouths of prophets and they would come and they they would prophesy to the people and uh, the people, for for lack of a better way, would just reject it, would turn a deaf ear to it. And... uh, and while that was going on, uh, to be honest with you, the nation was doing just fine. I mean, it was prospering. It was wealthy. It, it was uh, uh, no, no problems. And, and yet the prophets were coming and saying, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. God's going to judge this and God's going to judge that. And, and, they, and, they, and they looked around and said, man, I tell you, the economies are doing good. Jobs is doing good. I'm just not sure I see it. And reality was, it goes to show us the great long-suffering and patience of a holy God. And we find that he comes and he says to Habakkuk, Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously. Here's what he said. Now, he, he said, Habakkuk, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. He said, I'm going to do something that's going to absolutely leave you speechless. There was two parts to God's plan. Part number one, the unusual source God's going to choose to use. He said, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess a dwelling place that are not theirs. That word bitter means poison, and hasty means with speed and an evil intention. Here's what he's just saying. He said, I'm going to raise up a nation and they're going to come through. They're going to come through in a hurry. They're going to come through with an evil intent and they're going to poison the entire land. We find all of a sudden we see all this taking place. It's amazing to me. It's amazing the things God chooses to use. The fact he's got enough to do that. Proverbs 21.1 said, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. So we find that all of a sudden, Habakkuk's seeing this. And I'm going to be honest. He, he, he says, God, this just doesn't make good. This, uh-uh. 
I, I can't, it's not making no sense to me. So you got to understand the Chaldeans were very wicked, wicked people. Very sinful people, very wicked. We find that God tells us that God never cooperates with sin because he's holy. But I'll tell you this much. God uses wickedness to bring about the purpose of righteousness. God used Nebuchadnezzar. God uses all down through the Bible. God used some people that, uh, that, that were wicked to the core. And, uh, and God used them. And so we find, I, I love this story. Uh, this is godly Christian woman. And I mean, every time, and she lived by faith. And I mean, she loved God, served God. And every time she got a, a, a need of, a, of food, she would, she would just go to God. And she would just ask him. Well, she had no neighbor, and he was just a wicked fellow. And one day, he, he heard her praying. And uh, she was on her face saying, Now, God, uh, the, the pantry is empty, and we need some food. And, and he thought, I, I'm just going to fix her. So he goes to, the, to, to buys her two bags of groceries and puts them on the porch. And he hides in behind some bushes. And so she comes out, sure enough, she says, well, praise God. Thank, thank you, Jesus. She come through again. He pops up and he says, you crazy old fool. I said, God didn't do that. He said, I bought them groceries. I mean, by that time she left, she said, well, hallelujah, praise God. He said, what's your praising God about now? She said, well, not only did God provide groceries, but he used the devil to deliver them to my house. (laughs) Amen? I love that. I love that. An unusual source. Not only that, but this is amazing. He gave them an unbelievable success. Verse 6 He said, I'm going to let you march through the breadth of the land. In other words, he said, you're going to go anywhere you want to go in the land. Verse 7, God said, you're going to be terrible and dreadful. Now, let let me say this. So so many times we we read Bible words and and we read them because we've heard them. You know, boy, man, that's, uh, you know, we, we use uh, oh, this is a terrible, God, this is a terrible illustration. But, but it really does get to the point. I can tell you, man, this bus, this bus accident today was terrible. But you know what? You wouldn't comprehend that until you went to the scene and saw it. Then we would say, oh, gosh. Oh, this is terrible. That's what Habakkuk saying here. He's not, it's not just it's terrible. And he said, oh, it's terrible and dreadful. Notice verse 8. He describes their force. He said, their horses are swifter than leopards and are more fierce than evening wolves and their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far and they shall fly as eagles a hasteth to eat. Verse 9 through 11, he describes their violence. They shall come, they shall come all for violence. Their face shall sup up as the east wind. They shall gather captivity as the sand. They shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be scorned unto them. They shall derid every stronghold for they shall heap dust and take it. Then God's going to allow them to do something else. And uh, this is, it's here. God's going to allow 
this wicked crowd that there's a verse there and, and it, it almost doesn't make sense to us. But it will in just a minute, amen. Therefore they sacrifice unto their nets and burn incense unto their drag. Here's what he's saying. He's just saying, God, they are going to come through with an unbelievable success and then they're going to take their heathen idols and worship them and give them the credit for what God you've allowed to happen. He said, not only that, he said, in their sacrifices, he said, they're going to be led to believe that their little G gods is stronger and more powerful than their God. Put me on pause back there for just a little bit. You got to pay attention. I'll get started back up in a little. I was thought about that today. Here is what. And, and Habakkuk said, God, this doesn't make sense to me. And I want you to know, God has sent preacher after preacher after preacher. God has warned our nation. God's warned our nation. God's warned our nation. God has sent preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher. God has done things, and I want you to know instead of a nation that's repenting, tonight we're more rebellious as a nation than we have ever been in the history of mankind. I I mean, is it not ludicrous what's going on in our nation? I mean, they ain't called me, but if they do tomorrow... I do have a solution. I really do. It's a good one. I believe, bless God, stop paying them from the president and everyone in Congress till somebody goes to work. Amen. If I if I shut down the church tomorrow, I'll tell you this much: I'm gonna quit getting paid. Amen. And now they're gonna just stop the pay till that crap. It's crazy. But God's warned and warned over and over. God sent calamities and plagues and and military and yet the people's hearts become harder and harder. And I I look at our nation. I love our country. I do. I really do. But I look at our country and that's what I'm seeing. God's one section of the country is a burning up. Another section of the country is a drying up. Another section of the country is just flooding like they have never seen. And so we find all of a sudden You say, well, what is it? It's called the law of spiritual harvest. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Here's the deception in that. Because of this, our our society is this microwave, hurry up and do it, get it done, quick, quick, quick. We, we, we bring that into everything in our life. And here's what happens is when we sin and a long-suffering and a gracious and kind God doesn't wire the pants off of us immediately, guess what? We think we've got by. When in fact, we never get by. None of us. 
We reap what we sow. I mean, we reap what we sow. But we find that Habakkuk now, he's, he's, God's given the plan. And, and the old man of God is just, he's just, he's just baffled with this thing. Can I just say this? Sometimes God brings things into your life that happen. And I just, just be very honest. We, we can be honest with ourselves. This is, this is our church, amen. Uh, and we can be honest, can't we? There's some things I just can't make sense out of at all. They just don't make sense or reason. And so we find Habakkuk comes here. But Habakkuk starts doing something. Now, God has given the plan, but then Habakkuk starts talking about the person of God. The person. G. Campbell Morgan said, men of faith are always the men who have to confront problems. Now, God's first answer just calls puzzling. And it seems like that God is unjust and inconsistent. How could a God use a wicked nation to judge his very own people? Didn't make sense. But then notice, Habakkuk begins to pray. And he starts praying, number one, about God's consistent nature. He can't be but this. Number one, he said, Art thou not from everlasting? O Lord, my God. Did you, my God. Did you get that? He's my God. He's making it personal. It's not, it's not about what's going in the nation. It's my God. He said, notice. He said, notice. Oh, Lord, my God, mine holy one. Here's what he says. He says, God, you're from everlasting to everlasting. God, you're eternal. You're pure and perfect and all-powerful. And you're holy. And he said, God, you just don't change. A.W. Pink said this, There was never a time when he was not. There will never come a time when he shall cease to be. He was, never, he, he was neither evolved, grown, nor improved. He cannot change for the better because he's already perfect. Being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. Altogether unaffected by anything outside of himself, improvement or deterioration is impossible. And one of the reasons that whenever we don't make sense and it knocks us off uh, uh, of our place is the fact we've never seen, we've never seen the person of God. We don't, we don't know who he is. We don't see him as the Bible tells us he is. I, I did tell the preacher this. He, he, he and uh, he, he, uh, he was. I, I'm glad I was there to help him and vent, let him vent. But uh, and and he was talking about some things, and 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 I said, well, brother, and uh, and I was, and I was just kind. I really was. I, I prayed for him today. I said, well, brother, I said, Here, here's the here's the problem. And uh, I said, now you got some folks like I do that love me. I hope. I think. 
any, no, <laughs> they'll love me. But I said, here's, here's where the breakdown comes in. They ain't got a hold of loving God yet. They don't love God. I love you. It's my, it's our church here. And what? A, and, I, and I'm telling you, I'm, I love him, the pastor. I love, love preaching. But you know what? When things don't make sense, I can't go to you. I can't run to you. But I tell you this much. I got a God. And I know him. And I run to him. And when it don't make sense, I can go to a God that knows all things and all powerful and understand. He already understands. Notice what he said. He said you're eternal in your existence and holy in his character. Thou art pure of eyes to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Notice he said, he said, holiness is not something God does. Holiness is what he is. Did you get that? Holiness is not what he does. Holiness is what he is. We find God's consistent nature but notice God's corrective nature. Habakkuk recognizes that God's nature in verse 12 and 13. He says, now God, I know you're going to preserve your people. He said, we shall not die. And I love that. He said, he said I know you're not going to let us die. He said, I know you're going to take care of us. Can I just say this? Regardless of whatever happens, God's going to take care of his people. The psalmist said he's never seen his uh, uh, seed begging bread. Amen. I, I don't know what young people's going to do because he didn't promise chicken nuggets. I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to survive. But, I, but he did promise bread. Say amen. And so... But, and he's faithful because he's promised. He knew God was holy. And he knew God couldn't look on iniquity. And perhaps the truth of why God seemingly is unjust here with allowing the Chaldeans to judge Israel. Perhaps here's the reason. Chaldeans were a wicked idol-worshiping sinners. They had never known the true God. He does not excuse their sin, but it does explain their conduct. And they never knew. Nobody had ever told them. They didn't know anything about this God except for what they'd heard maybe in passing. But the nation of Israel, they knew. They knew. They knew right and wrong. And yet, they were sinning against the very God they claimed to believe. They were sinning against the very God they claimed to believe. One thing about it, they wasn't ignorant about it. 
And tonight, can I say this? We're not ignorant about it. We know. We know what's right and wrong. We're not ignorant about it. And I sometimes stand amazed. I stand amazed. At, and, and I appreciate the testimonies and, and those of you that stood up and testified. I, I really do praise God. That's good. But I'm amazed at times what comes out of our lips and say, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing this and thank you for doing that. Behold it. I, okay. And then turn and do something that says totally opposite and you say why is that and it tells me and challenges me do you really know him and thou shall love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart with all of thine soul and with all of thy might that's a verse one and so we see the person of God. But oh, don't miss this. I see the patience of God. God sent his prophet to carry the messages of repentance, but the people would not listen. And so God said in his jealousy, he reveals his glory. Notice, he, the Chaldeans, I said earlier, believed in a multitude of gods and goddesses. Baal, the head of the Pathian, and God of the sky, and, and Nebo, God of literature and wisdom, and EA, the God of magic. And all of this reminds us that even in the midst of all of this stuff that they were worshiping, God will maintain his honor at all costs. And you won't rob him of his glory. God saw all of this, and he was silent. He was patient and he was long-suffering. And from my point of view, from a human, from Habakkuk's point of view, that don't make no sense at all unless you was God. If you was God, you're not intimidated by any God anybody else has. He don't get intimidated by anybody's God. He's not intimidated with these gods you're worshiping. He's not intimidated with the gods that we have in our life. And so we find here, he's just patient. He's waiting and uh, because he's God. Then notice the justice that reveals his grace. Habakkuk didn't understand, but he knew this. He's too holy not to do right. And so he settles that thing and he comes to the place. The story's told of a famous artist and he was painting a mural underneath a, a great cathedral and his assistant was watching him work and, and he was up on a platform and he, he started admiring him and giving glory to himself. He said, my gosh, this is, this is so beautiful. He said, I can't imagine. Uh, uh, he couldn't take his eyes off of it. And what happened was he started walking backwards. 
and he assistant knew in any moment he was going to be he was so taken with his idol. He was going to walk off the platform. So he took a bucket of a paint and just slung it. And the man began to scream, you ruined my painting. He said, yeah, sir, I did, but I probably saved your life. I wonder how many times God has to ruin our idols to save our life. Isaiah said it best, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, when we cannot see God's hand, we can always trust his heart. When we cannot trace him, I learned to trust him. Our faith must work in the dark because God's ways are often in the clouds. As I was thinking today, I thought, man, that is a, a challenging message because so many times in life, God just doesn't make sense to us. So what? Lord, what am I to do? I'm one of the youngins. What am I to do when what you're doing makes no sense to me? I want, how many would be interested in that answer? What to do? When everything around you don't make sense, how many of you be interested in saying, well, what does God want me to do? How many of you interested in that answer? Amen. Here it is. Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch. He said, I, I, I'll do my duty. I'll be in my place. I'll fill my place. Don't make any sense to me. But he said, I'm going to be in. He said, I'm going to stand my watch and set me upon the tower. He's saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to stand for where I've always stood. I'm going to be sitting in a place I've always sat. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get wishy washy. I'm not gonna get up and down. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna start wavering. Start, I'm, I'm gonna stay. I, I was. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a message. And, and um, the potter, when he, when we put the, the clay on on the wheel, in the middle of that little wheel is a little nub. And, he, and he, if he gets that clay just exactly right in the center, there's no gravity pulling at it. None. More I thought about that, more there's nothing like being in the center of God's will when the world around us is turning crazy. Someone asked me the other day, said, said if the government shuts down, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to church. Amen, I'm going to preach, and, I, and I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm going to stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. 
And I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. I love that. Here's what he's saying. He said, now God, I know you're going to get me for my crazy thinking. I know you're, you're going to reprove me. You're going to say, now son, you totally missed. I know you're going to reprove me. But he said, here's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to stand on my watch. He said, I'm going to set my palm my time. I'm going to watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Habakkuk is so similar to Psalm 73. Please go home and read it. Asaph was bewildered because of the working of God. He was disturbed about the wicked that seemed to prosper while righteous suffered. He, like Habakkuk, he reasoned with God. Like Habakkuk, he gave God uh, an opportunity. But I love this. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Tonight, I'm glad when it don't make a lick of sense to us, it makes sense to him. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet.